Thank you, everyone, for tuning into Fantline Wisdom. I'm Minister Marvin Fant, giving wisdom and a godly perspective to combat the problems of today's world. For there is nothing new under the sun, and what God said for yesterday is good for then, today, and tomorrow. Now here's today's wisdom. Hello, everyone, and praise the Lord, and I hope you're having a great day wherever you're at. What I want to talk about today is the character of what God's men and women should be like. The character of what God's men and women should be like. And I'll be coming from the uh, book of Matthew, primarily chapter five. You know, when, when the crowds came to Jesus, he went up on a mountain, sat down, and began to teach. Matthew 5 and 7 is known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' kingdom manifesto. And in this sermon, he explained what the kingdom is, how it works, and what it ought to look like. The first few verses of the Sermon on the Mount are known as the Beatitudes chapter 5, verses 3 and 10. And they set forth the character of kingdom men and women. Jesus spoke primarily to those who were his disciples in order to take them to the next level. We could call the uh, Beatitudes the antibiotics from God's pharmacy that can aid life trans transformation. Each one includes a blessing, which is the God-given capacity to enjoy his goodness in your life and to extend that goodness to others. And also, I also want to reiterate, what I say to you, I say back to myself. Because whatever I put out, I have to include myself in this also. I just wanted to, I just wanted to point that out. Okay, continuing, Jesus pronounced these blessings on people with a kingdom mindset, those who consciously and unapologetically align their lives under the rule of God. The blessings are for those who reject religious externalism. Jesus is primarily concerned with what's happening on your inside, which should be the basis of what you're showing on the outside. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So what is, what is that saying? It's saying to be poor in spirit is to be in spiritual poverty, to be conscious, conscious, conscious of one's continual dependence on God. Kingdom people recognize their own inadequacy and insufficiency apart from him. As long as you think you're rich in spirit, you'll actually be independent and proud. So become a spiritual beggar. You know, and a lot of people, when they when they read that <clears throat> in chapter five, verse three. Says, blessed are the poor in spirit. They're not taking that into a context when they talk, when it says spirit, the, the one word that sticks out, out at them 
and they gravitate to and they hold on to is the word poor. Poor, 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 poor. People gravitate to that word and they take it out of context. They misalign it. Stick to what it's saying. It's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit. The poor in spirit. Not the poor financially. It's talking about when, you know, Jesus hits on that too. But in this situation, he's talking about the poor in spirit. But like I said, a lot of people, they, they skip over that part. They leave that part out and they want to focus on the financial. He's talking about the poor in spirit. God's kingdom refers to God's rule. If you are poor in spirit, you will get to see God's heavenly rule in your earthly life only by being desperately dependent on God. Can you become what he created you to be? Being dependent on God, whether you're poor. Because we have a lot of people out here who are poor and they're not dependent on God. Oh, they may talk a good game. They may say the right things, but in actuality, they're not being dependent on God. What what are they being dependent on? They're being dependent on hitting a lottery. They're being dependent on the, 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 the jobs that they have. They're being dependent on other people. They're being dependent on luck. They're being dependent on so many other things. But when it boils down to it, they're not being dependent on God. Like I said, a lot of people, they talk a good game. But when it comes down to actuality, they're not. They're not being dependent on God. You know, we can get into the person who's financially rich, and that's much more easier to pick apart. Because the person who is financially rich, it's a little it's harder for them to be dependent on God, be dependent on God when you can just throw money at your situations, at at your problems. Okay, but when that person who has money. Who is financially stable, you don't have to be rich, Okay, you don't have to be rich, you can be financially stable. You can have a little money in the bank and for a person to lose it for a person to go wayward. No, it doesn't take much. So for a person that is rich, for a person that is financially stable, for a person that is financially able, can be dependent on God. Be dependent with your security in God. Be dependent with your money in God. Okay. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This refers to being saddened by the things that sadden God. God grieves over the sin and wretchedness of the world. Jesus lamented the disobedience of of Jerusalem in Matthew 23 and 37 and wept over the existence of death, which sin had produced. See, we mustn't mustn't laugh at 
or excuse that which causes God to mourn. Sin and its consequences surround us so that we're tempted to become numb. Isn't that true today with so much that goes on? Things that are sinful to God that we pass off. And I'm not talking about the big things. I'm not talking about murder and, you know, things like that. I'm talking about the situations where uh, situations of, um, of, um, well, homosexuality. See, now we've become, we're, we're becoming conditioned and numb, being numb to homosexuality. And it's, it's, it's an acceptance nowadays. It's still a sin to God that hasn't changed. And I know saying this in this day and age that it's a sin. Oh, that's down now. It's taboo for me to say that it's a sin. You see how things have been flipped around? Now, it's one thing for a person who acknowledges that it's a sin. But it's another thing for that person to to um, physically abuse or verbally abuse that person who is the sinner in that situation. Okay. The table has been flipped around and I'll put it this way. We shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't have been doing that in the first place, even from 20, 30 years ago. Okay. We shouldn't have been doing that in the first place, but we still should be calling out sin where it is and what it is. So instead, we must pray that God would give us the emotions of his heart so that we can experience the comfort of God to encourage and strengthen us. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Some Some translations render the humble as the meek. And it's important to understand that meekness doesn't mean weakness, and that always gets misconstrued. Meekness to a lot of people means weakness. And I guess the very word itself sounds weak, meekness. But consider, for example, the process of breaking a horse. The idea is not to break the horse of its strength or speed, Rather, the goal is to break the horse of its self-will. As long as you remain independent and wild, you will never maximize God's intention for, for you. To be meek is to learn to submit your will to God's. Those who do will inherit what God has allotted for them. Okay, to continue here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. See, this blessing is about having the right spiritual appetite. Far too many of God's children are malnourished, not because they don't eat, but because they eat the wrong things. Let me explain. Let me explain. Donuts taste good. 
but they have no nutritional value. You can't have a donut, a donut level spiritual diet, and then wonder why you don't experience God's blessings. To hunger for righteousness is to apply the righteous standard of God to your life. You need to be hungry for that which pleases God. If you train your appetite in this way, you'll be filled. That is, you'll be satisfied with divine contentment. Discontentment will give way to satisfaction in God. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. To receive mercy is not to get what you deserve. To receive pity instead of just condemnation. Rather, when you're guilty, mercy removes the misery you ought to receive. There's a blessing for those who extend it because you can bank on the fact that a time is coming when you'll need mercy. This is the golden rule in action. Whatever whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Purity of heart involves being authentic, and this begins with honesty before God. Prayer for many people is a stale practice because there's no raw conversation with God. You know, with a lot of people, it's it, it's like a robot type of situation. It's memorized. <clears throat> it's rehearsed. It's not coming from the heart. It's not coming from the heart. Respectful but raw. That should that that's how God wants it. We must go to God with our hearts completely open because. We're not hiding anything from him. And besides, he knows. He knows everything already. So come clean with him about the good and the bad and the ugly. And you'll see him operating powerfully in your life. Don't try to think you can skip around things. Don't try to think you can dance around things. Don't try to think you can fool God. Come on. He is a creator of all things. He created you. He created every. He knows. He knows who you are, what you're about. So don't try to, you know, don't don't try to sugarcoat things. Don't try to fling flam them. Don't think you're getting over. You're not. You're not. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. To be at peace is to be in harmony. To be a peacemaker is to be a mediator and resolve conflicts between estranged parties. Whether individuals or groups, you make peace by identifying the truth, addressing the sin and constructing a bridge between those who are at odds with one another. Peacemaking can be difficult work, but if we preserve, per, 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 persevere in it, we'll be called sons of God because we will resemble our daddy. He sent the Son of God to be our mediator, bridging the gap between, bridging the gap, gap created by our sin and granting us peace with Him. So it's not, you know, far too many people, <clears throat> if there's a, a situation going on between one party with another, 
and you've seen it before, and you probably a person yourself who has egged on the conversation, or you delight in it because your day has been born, and, and all of a sudden, a situation is going on between two people, and this puts excitement in your day, and you're egging it on instead of trying to be a a, a peacemaker. You stand idly by and let it go on. And you may even throw a few words in to keep it going. So be a peacemaker in those situations. Be a peacemaker. It pleases God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Isn't it about being persecuted because of wickedness? Instead, it's about being mistreated because you display the kingdom characteristics described in chapter five, in chapter five verses three and nine in Matthew. And some people won't like you for doing so. Persecution may take a variety of forms and come from a variety of sources, family member and employer the culture, the government, but in receiving it, you'll be in the company of a class of people of whom the world is not worthy. If you're willing to be rejected by men to be accepted by God, the kingdom of heaven is yours. And that's what it's about. It's not about being in the right place of the world. It's about being in the right place of God. It's about doing what's right in God's eyes and not the world's. That's what it's about. That's what you should be striving for. Doing what's right in God's eyes instead of man's, instead of the world's. But too many of us Even Christians want that notification from the world, want that pat on the back from the world instead of giving that hug from God. Think about that. These verses expand on the idea in a verse 10 in chapter 5. It's hard to believe that undergoing persecution is a blessing, but Jesus wanted his disciples to know that he was serious. Notice that the persecution that brings blessing is directly tied to Jesus. When they insult you and tell lies about you because of Jesus, you are blessed. Since essentially the same thing happened to the Old Testament prophets, you're in good company. But how can you be glad and rejoice in the midst of the mess? You can remember that your reward is great. God knows how to deliver. And as Paul told the Romans, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Enough said. Thank you for listening to Fatline Wisdom. And please tell others about it. For wisdom is key to growth and prosperity.
in Jesus' name. No said.